Thanks, Micah. So great to be here. Awesome. You know, when Micah and Sarah first started with the church, uh, one of the things that we love so much about their philosophy and where they wanted to do and what they wanted to go is that they wanted to be about people of peace. And they also wanted to attract people of peace. Well, I don't know what your guys' church experience was like growing up, but mine, super conflicting. You know, a lot of conflict in the church growing up. And I remember praying before I even met Micah and Sarah. I was like, God, I just really need some peaceful people in my life. And when Micah and Sarah came along and said, hey, Jen, this is what our vision, we're about, you know, belong, believe, become, and attracting peaceful people, I'm like, I'm in. This sounds fabulous to me. But then my other question was, well, how are you going to do this? Because there's a small thing called people, right? And we kind of make things a little bit more challenging as we come with our baggage and our our past and our history and our, our issues. And I know a lot about people being a therapist that sometimes it's not always very peaceful in the relationships. So one of the things I really want to talk about today is pursuing peace. Um, I'm so much about that, not only in my personal life, but in the work that I do and in the community that uh, we work with um, and in this community is pursuing peace. Romans 14.19, I think, sums it all up. Romans 14.19, so here's, here's, I think, the universal church mission for churches. So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for building up one another. How simple is that? If we just keep it that simple, let's be about peace and building each other up. Life would be so much easier, not only in our relationships, but obviously in our church. I love this cartoon. I think this would probably sum it up, too, when it comes to the social media. Can you imagine? Twitter meets the peace dove. Don't you love that? What would social media be like if it actually was peaceful and was about creating peace and it was about not bashing on people, right, but about building people up? I believe that there is so much going on in the world that the church needs to be a refuge and a place that we can come and there can be peace, peaceful relationships. And if we are all about pursuing peace, consider what this can be about. So... The first thing, on the ABCs of pursuing peace, okay, the first A I'd like to talk about is taking action. Of all the characters in the Bible, one of my favorite is Abigail when it comes to keeping peace. I call her Action Abigail, okay, and she is in, uh, it's in 1 Samuel 25, but I'm just going to paraphrase the story. There's three main characters on this. There's the warrior David, who comes to be known as King David later on, but he wasn't king at the time. Then there is um, Nabal, who is, his name actually means fool, and he, he lives up to his name, as you'll soon see, and his wife, Abigail. And she was described as sensible, wise, and beautiful, right? Okay, so these are the three characters in the story. Basically, here's what happens, is Dave, uh, Nabal start, his very wealthy man. He has like 3,000 sheep and about 1,000 goats. And it's sheep shearing time. Now, David has been watching these sheep and kind of taking care of them, him and his men, because they're out in the, in the wilderness. That's a whole other story how he got out there. But bottom line, he's out there. He's watching these sheep, keeping things safe, not even doing it without being asked. So it comes to be sheep shearing time, which means this is a time that they're going to basically harvest and come in with some of the livestock and get some, um, some resources from the livestock. And David sends a messenger to Nabal, and he says, hey, peace and prosperity to you. And basically he says, can I get some of this for me and my men? 
we've been traveling, and by the way, we've been watching your sheep, and we've been taking care of things, your shepherds. Nothing has gotten stolen. Nobody's gotten wounded. Nabal, he sneers, it says, who's this fellow David? Who does he think he is that he can get some of these resources? Uh, Why should I give him anything? So the messenger returns to David. Now remember, David, he's a warrior, right? So first thing he says is to his men, get your swords. It says as he straps on his own sword. So you can just picture him strapping on his own sword, and he's going to his men, get your swords, 400 of them. He goes, we're going to wipe these people out. And he goes, not only are we going to do it, basically I'm going to bring down a curse on my head. If I don't do this by the morning, then may God take my life. So he was serious about this. He's going, we're going we're gonna to take care of business. So he gets, starts going, now here's the funny thing to me too. You know, you can find such great humor in the Bible, but you can just picture David. Now remember, he's called a man after God's own heart. But it says as he's walking along, it says he's, he's basically muttering to himself, but yeah, a lot of good this did helping this guy. Look what, I, look what happened. I protected him, and he's returning evil for good. You know, I, this Nabal, man, I'm going to kill him. And may, may God strike me down if I don't. Meanwhile, a servant who was also kind of the, he's, he's unnamed, the servant in the Bible, but clearly a big peacekeeper as well, goes running back to Abigail, telling her what happened. And this is also cracks me up. He basically says, you need to know what's happened, um, what's been going on, and you know your, your husband. He's so ill-tempered, no one can even talk to him. Okay? So here's Abigail. Abigail, she wasted no time, it says. She quickly gathered 200 loaves of bread, two wineskins full of wine, five sheep that had been slaughtered, nearly a bushel of roasted grain, a hundred clusters of raisins, and 2,000 fig cakes. Eh, just like that. Just whipped them up. She packed them on her donkey and then went off to her, to her servants. She said, go on ahead. Now, this is what cracks me up, too, because she said, go on ahead. She's a smart woman. She's like... David and his 400-plus men are going to be a lot happier if they have some full stomachs, right? So then she follows along behind them. And here's what she does when she sees David. Now, remember, she's done nothing in this, nothing at all. But the first thing she does is so she gets off her donkey, and she falls to the ground and bows at his feet. And she, bas- she says, I accept all blame in this matter, my Lord. Okay? So a total posture of humility. Basically, she's going whatever I need to do and say to make this better. And then she goes on to say, hey, just please listen to me. (laughs) This is funny too. You know my husband, Nabal. But she goes, he's wicked and ill-tempered. Don't pay any attention to him. He's a fool, just as his name suggests. (laughs) She like throws her husband under the bus. She aligns with David and she recognizes, you know what? He's an idiot. Uh, Please listen to me. Then she, of course, she's given him all that. She goes, remember these presents I've given you. And then she basically asks forgiveness in any way that I've offended you. Now, remember, she's done nothing, right? And she said, I didn't even hear that the servant, I heard about the servant. I came. I took care of this. Then she goes on. She's not done there. She's probably still on her knees begging for her life and basically says, please, she says, she reminds him, you know, your life is safe in the care of the Lord, but remember, don't do anything that would create a staggering burden for you in killing innocent people. And then she goes on to bless him. And she amazing blessing she gives. If you ever want to read it, it's at the end of that chapter. But basically it says, your life is safe in the care of the Lord. There's no, um, the Lord has done great things for you. He will continue to do great things for you. Oh, and don't forget me, your servant. Now here, here's David. 
He's a warrior, but he is a wise warrior. He pays attention to her. He praises the Lord, and he says, oh, thank you so much. He says to her, return home in peace. She brings peace, then he sends her away in peace. Isn't that a beautiful story? I've heard what you've said. And then she goes, I will not kill your husband. She's probably going, darn it. <laughs> kill the fool. No. So then she goes home. But here's what's amazing, too, is that God took care of that. And it says when Abigail, remember this beautiful, wise woman. Can you imagine being married to this man who, during that time, women are just property? And so she has to be attached to this guy. Um, and what courage it took for her to go behind his back and basically get all this food and take it over to him. But it says she goes home, and in the morning, she tell, oh, he was partying, no surprise there, and he was totally drunk. So it says in the morning, and he gets sobered up, and she says to him, what happened? She t- describes it. And it says he had a stroke, and it says he laid paralyzed in his bed like a stone. And then about 10 days later, the Lord struck him, and he died. God will take care of your problems. We do not have to take care of it for ourselves. And then... What's amazing, and this is a beautiful ending, talk about a happily ever after, David hears about Nabal dying, and he sends some servants and basically proposes to Abigail and asks her to be his wife. Isn't that beautiful? The peacekeeper. And this is the best part. Remember Action Abigail. It says in verse 42, quickly getting ready. <laughs> she was somebody that did not waste any time, and she took David's proposal, and they lived happily ever after. This is such a beautiful depiction of being a peacekeeper. And one of the things that Abigail did, it was several things. She humbly apologized, right? What a beautiful apology. She didn't even do anything wrong, but she basically knew that if she doesn't make some amends here, her life is going to be gone as well as the people that she loves and her home. Secondly, she brings gifts. Isn't that great? So many times people will apologize, but sometimes we need to bring gifts. And sometimes it's not just something monetary, but also something that shows the gift of my time, the gift of, um, you know, uh, anything that I've taken from you in the past, anything that would show that what I've taken from you, I want to put something to that back into your life. She also asks for forgiveness, which is different than apologizing. Asks for forgiveness. And then she blesses the socks off of him. Isn't that amazing? She was a wise woman, a beautiful model to follow when it comes to creating and making peace. I think Martin Luther King was thinking about Abigail when he said, those who love peace must learn to organize as effectively as those who love war. Can you imagine? If we can become so organized in what we do, here's David running out, strapping on his sword, ready to go kill everybody. And Abigail was just as shrewd, making up her own battle plan. And the results, what a beautiful ending to a story. It was a win-win all the way around. She lost her husband, who was a fool. David got a new wife, who was sensible and wise and beautiful, right? And he didn't have a burden to carry that was not his to carry. Secondly, the B, be blessed. Thank God for your blessings. There is so much we have to be grateful for in this country, and yet some, we struggle a lot with remembering what it is that we're grateful for and to be able to receive blessings. When it says be blessed, I think of the Beatitudes. It says, um, you know, blessed are those they, that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And, and Jesus goes through several of these blessings. Basically, it's a command. He says, be blessed. Basically, receive your blessings. And the way to do that 
is you are grateful and you thank God for what you have. Colossians 3, 15 and 17. This basically sums it all up beautifully when it talks about the importance of having peace in your hearts. Look how many times it says thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. There it is. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God, thanks to Chris and Lindy today, with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whatever in word or deed, and do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you're ever lacking in peace, stop and give thanks. Whatever you're struggling with, remember to receive the blessings that we have around us to be blessed. There's a video I want to show you that I think just will say more than any of my words can say on this, and then I'll move to the next point. Jake, if you want to go ahead and play it, it's about two and a half minutes, so just relax and enjoy this. Lord, I'm struggling. Show me what I have to be thankful for. struggling. Show me what I have to be thankful for. Isn't that powerful? Sometimes one of the things I like to do in the mornings when I wake up is to thank God. Try to find five things to thank God for. And sometimes it's just as simple as that. I can get out of a warm bed (laughs) that I wish I didn't have to. Um, (laughs) I 
have a toothbrush, different things. You know, it's um, we forget because it's just something we take for granted for. So finding peace, so good to be able to receive our blessings. C, handle conflict peaceably. Easier said than done, is it not? Handle conflict peaceably. This is what we'll often see. This is what creates conflict a lot of times, according to this cartoon. If we could only see th- have everybody see things from our perspective, the world would be a better place if everybody just thought the way I do. <laughs> That would eliminate a lot of conflict, would it not? But what a boring place that would be. Not to mention, I'd be out of a job, so conflict's a good thing. (laughs) So conflict is inevitable, simply because we have so many different perspectives. There's a story about two men that were living in a village, and they got in a terrible dispute, and they couldn't resolve it. And so they decided to talk to the town sage, and a really wise man. And the wise man uh, they went to his home, and the first man told him his story, and the wise sage said, you are absolutely right. Then the next man came in, and the, the wise told him his story, and the wise sage said, you are absolutely right. Now the wife was listening in the background, and she scolded him, and she said, those men told you two different stories, and you told both of them they are absolutely right. That's impossible. That can't be right. He looked at her and he goes, you are absolutely right. (laughs) Sometimes avoiding conflict is a great way to go about it. There's no shame in that. 2 Timothy 2, 22 through 23 says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. There it is again, pursue peace. It's a command for those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. All right. We all know what those foolish and ignorant disputes are. We have participated in them. We have initiated them. I make a living off of them, right? So this is what happens. It's, not, it's never what we're fighting about usually. It's about the expectations or like that cartoon d- described earlier. It's about us not feeling heard by the other person. And getting our perspective heard. So one of the things we have to remember is that conflict is inevitable and it comes with life. And war and peace, they come together. Sounds like a good book, huh? Wars are fought to get peace many times. And Jesus, ironically, is called the Prince of Peace. And he came to give peace. But interestingly enough, the most peaceful man on the earth said, Do not think that I came to send peace upon earth. I came not to send peace, but the sword. And that's in Matthew 10, 34. So you want to go, hmm, did Jesus send peace? Is he the prince of peace, or did he come to bring strife? Well, the answer, whenever you hear two things like that that seem to counter each other, it means it's both. He is the prince of peace, and he came to bring peace, but he also knows that in bringing peace, there's also going to be conflict and division and strife. And that's what he did beautifully for us, you know, on the work of, on the cross and bringing us back to the Father. It was not a peaceful journey for him. I love this saying, fight against something, we focus on the thing we hate. When we fight for something, we focus on the thing that we love. Isn't that beautiful? I'll read that again. Fight against something, we focus on the thing that we hate. Fight for something, we focus on the thing that we love. 
when we are dealing with any injustice in our world, we are called to fight against it, to be able to bring peace. We can do it shrewdly. We can do it as peacefully as possible. But ultimately, it's going to probably create conflict. Conflict. But if we can fight for what it is that we love and what we're focusing on, a lot of times that makes our fight peaceable. <clears throat> Finally, sacrifice. Sacrifice is the price for peace. That's the A-B-C-S. Got it? Yes, yeah. Sacrifice is the price of peace. I rarely find peace coming without sacrifice, whether that's compromising, negotiating, giving something up, or like Abigail, just humbling yourself. We must sacrifice in order to be able to get peace, and we have to ask ourselves, what is it that we're willing to sacrifice? History shows this, that peace has a cost, either through Susan B. Anthony with women and suffrage, Martin Luther King, and getting um, equality for the African-American people, it cost him his life. Um, Gandhi, again, another life coster. And, of course, Jesus Christ, again, the ultimate prince of peace, who sacrifices life so that we can be restored to our creator. When sin came into the world, it's very simple. We were separated, and God said, you know what? I don't want heaven without you, so I'm going to send you my son, Jesus Christ, and he's going to be the one that brings you back to me. And if you don't want to believe him, man, no big deal. I'm still going to love you. But he's the one that I'm going to give you so that you can come back and we can have this relationship. God is all about relationship with the people that he's created. And he gave that to us through Jesus. When we show anything less with people, this is when we're not doing the work of Christ. C.S. Lewis says this beautifully, God cannot give us peace and happiness apart from himself because there is no such thing. I personally believe we need, we need a savior in this area. We need a helper. We need a counselor to help bring us peace in our lives and help to restore not only the peace, but to reconcile us in relationships, maybe where there's some woundedness or just needing to have some unforgiveness uh, or forgiveness take place. And if you can't remember the ABCs of pursuing peace, okay, here's a real simple, keeping it super, super simple for those. This is Mother Teresa's wise words. If you can't remember anything else, here's what she says. Peace begins with a smile, right? If we don't know what else to do, smile. People are having a hard day. Give them a smile. Give them a compliment. I'd just like to close out our time here with a blessing for you. In Philippians 4, 7, Here's the blessing. May the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. May you go in peace.